0: so excited about what god's doing in our church and what he's been doing and it's a powerful thing to be a part of a legacy you know one of the things that i think changed my life was when i came to oasis just over eight years ago i was looking to do my own thing and honestly i was looking for a church to encourage me on how to get everything i felt god had for me i wanted to god to jumpstart my life but i found my destiny i found my purpose when I just got involved with what God was already doing. I didn't even do anything new. I just knew God was doing something in this church and I got involved. And I didn't know when I was doing puppet shows in preschool that I would be doing this today. I didn't know when I was coming up with with puppet shows with my own puppet characters like Reverend Billy Graham Cracker, (laughs) how fire is that? (laughs) And TD Milkshakes. These were the name of my puppets, true story. I didn't know. And what's interesting is the same way that I would stay up, you know, maybe late working on this message, my wife will tell you I stayed up late working on puppet shows and I didn't know that I was going to be a part of such a wonderful legacy. And so this is not something that we have to do, this is something we get to do. We get to be a part of what God is doing and what God has been doing. And and so many churches all over LA, new churches, have come and they're being a part of a legacy of what happened 30, 40 years ago. And I'm telling you right now, you get to be a part of a legacy, and you actually get to rewrite your own legacy, because legacy follows you or you pursue it. What I mean by that is maybe some of us didn't come from a great background, a great past, and that legacy and that past is always following us. We actually get to make the choice to be a part of a new legacy, one of faith, one of hope, one of peace, one of generosity, and that's what this legacy offering is all about. So prepare your hearts. We've been talking about it. And here's what I love. People are already giving. We're launching it December 9th, but we're talking about it like weeks in advance. And people are already giving. They already can't wait to be a part of what God is doing. So I want to encourage you to pray December 9th. You're going to have an opportunity to give now. You can give now, but you're going to have an opportunity to give all the way through January. But December 9th, we're believing for the largest offering, daily offering that's ever come in in Oasis Church history. Can you believe that with me and pray about that? So, hey, if you were here last week, I I, I preached a message called You Are the One. It was on Joshua chapter 1. Who was here last week? Okay. If you haven't got a chance to check that out, make sure you check that out on the podcast or on YouTube because it's important. This is part 2 of last week's message. And I said last week that I would preach part 2 of this message, and I said I would preach from Joshua 2. And so half of what I said last week is true. Today is part two of the message, but I am not preaching from Joshua 2. You know, the Lord changed my message. You know that guy? The Lord changed my message. Really, I just couldn't put it together so I decided to preach from this. You know what I mean? Like, Holy Spirit's changed my message. But uh, we're going to talk about Daniel chapter 5. And the reason why I wanted to do part two of this message is because I said something last week that I think needs more clarity and needs more explanation. And what I said last week is that we're conditioned to do it big. We're conditioned to do it big. I could be on staff at a, as a church, on a church, which I am. I could be serving my pastors, which I am. And, and there's this propensity to think that there's something bigger than what I'm doing. Like, when are you going to start your own church? When are you going to speak at conferences? When are you going to write a book? And those are things that are all encouraged. I hope I get to do those things. But we sometimes condition ourselves to believe that what we're doing is small and God has something big for us. Right? There's got to be something better, and we're conditioned in our brain to think big, dream big, do it big, do big, 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 big. big. So much so that even when we talk about heaven, have you ever had somebody tell you this? I wonder if there's water in heaven because I love the jet ski. You think there's roller coasters in heaven? We, we, we think that heaven's not going to be good enough unless it has all the things that I like doing. Think about it. Just Jesus and the presence of God is not enough. I hope they have water. I hope they have roller coasters. I hope they have a barbecue grill. Because <laughs> heaven without ribs is not heaven at all. That's hell. <laughs> this is what my dad said. No, just kidding. My dad didn't say that. But we we just even imagine heaven being better and bigger and it not being about the presence of God. Yeah. Which let me give you something. The Bible would suggest that in heaven, the streets are paved with gold and there's gates made of pearl. You know why? Because no one cares. So God can give all this opulent stuff because no one cares. If this carpet was paved with gold, none of y'all would be listening to me. You'd be trying to have a hammer chipping some gold all out of it. (laughs) No, no, no. It is an offering to me. You know what I mean? (laughs) This is going to help my legacy. We do it big, man. I feel like the Lord wants to heal somebody from the constant threat that everything has to be bigger and everything has to be better or it's not enough. That's part two of my message. So I'm going to preach a message simply titled Dream Heavy. Dream Heavy. Daniel chapter 5 starts out with a king that was doing it real big. Daniel chapter five verse one says many years later this was after King Nebuchadnezzar many years later King Belshazzar gave a great feast for one thousand of his nobles talk about doing it big anybody been at a party with a thousand people like you got fifty you got twenty people coming people get overwhelmed when ten people sign up for their canegr what am I gonna do I'm gonna run out of nachos no this was a <laughs> thousand people at the party a thousand people you couldn't do it bigger than that people. Belshazzar, King Belshazzar gave a great feast for a thousand of his nobles, and he drank wine with all of them. You know you are doing it big when you can serve wine to a thousand people. A thousand people you can serve wine. Well, I've, I've had been at family get-togethers in my family, and once we got past five people, we broke out the Old English 800. Like, <laughs> wine for y'all, but the rest of y'all, we're going to have to make it happen. A thousand people at this spectacular party. He was doing it big. DJ Khaled was DJing. Everybody would have a glass of wine and and, and King Belshazzar would go, another one. You know what I mean, just doing it so big. And if we're not careful, we would just dream of being at a party like this and I get it, but it says that he was drinking wine with them and while Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and the silver cups. He didn't he could have just asked. You know, he's doing it big. I don't ask. I give orders. Bring in the silver cups and the gold that his predecessor Nebuchadnezzar had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to drink from them with his nobles, his wives and his concubines. So they brought these gold cups taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives and his concubines drank from things that God had called holy. At least his Nebuchadnezzar was just as crazy. I mean, he was just as crazy as this king, but he, at least he left the, that, that stuff untouched. But no, not this king. He was doing it so big. He brought out God's holy items from the temple and was drinking it with his wives and his concubines. And if you don't know what concubine means, in our cultural context, that would be what would be called a side, you know, whatever, you know. <laughs> so... They were drinking from them, and and while they drank from them, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Then suddenly they saw the fingers of a human hand writing the plaster, writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. The king himself saw the hand as it wrote, and his face turned pale with fright. His knees knocked together in fear fear. His knees got weak. He was so scared. He, and, and DJ Khaled started to play the song by SWV. I get so weak in the <laughs> knees and I hardly. And Belshazzar is looking at DJ Khaled and his knees are getting weak and he wants to faint and his legs gave way beneath him. And then the king shouted for the enchanters, the astrologers, and the fortune tellers to be brought before him. Energy and praying to the universe and the stars and Scorpios and all that stuff is not a new thing. They did that back then. This would have been the version of like, calling people who know the horoscope. What did it say about today? Did it say that today's gonna be a great day? Don't we do that? We use astrology and all this stuff to make us feel like it's okay to be who we are. Well, you know how those Scorpios are. They're just crazy. No, 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 you need some wisdom. You need to read the Bible. But they did this back then. Says he shouted for all these people and he said to the wise men of Babylon, Whoever can read this writing and tell me what it means will be dressed in purple robes of royal honor and will have a gold chain around their neck. Oh, I used to want to be a rapper back in the day. So this speaks my language. I'm going to get a gold chain. I'm going to get a royal ro- What is he saying? If you do what I want you to do, you'll do it big like me. Third highest position in the kingdom. His promise is to, that he'll get to do it big. Whoever can interpret this will get to do it big. Jesus was tempted by the devil, and what did the devil show him? He says, if you worship me, you'll get to do it big. I'm going to show you all the kingdoms. I'm going to show you everything you've ever wanted, everything you've ever dreamed. Here is why the devil didn't bring a woman to tempt Jesus up there. I believe this is why. Because Jesus wasn't going to be married. He tempted Jesus with the things that God was going to give Jesus. If you're called to be married... He'll bring that no good janky brother and tempt you with him. (laughs) Whatever you're called to do, the devil will say, no, no, no. I can give you what God wants to give you. Just do it my way. And you can do it big and it'll be awesome and it'll be amazing. There might be a thousand people at your wedding and nobody at the divorce because we went a different direction than what God. And that's not to imply that every person that gets divorced isn't following God, but hear what I'm saying. I'm talking about, do you want to do it big, or do you want to be with the Lord? Think about this. Belshazzar is, 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 is telling him, oh, you're going to have a gold chain. And, and But when all the king's wise men had come in, none of them could read the writing or tell him what it meant. So the king grew even more alarmed, and his face turned pale. His nobles, too, were shaken. But when the queen mother heard what was happening, she hurried to the banquet hall. You know it's going down when mama shows up. What's going on here? (laughs) Mama showed up like, it's going down in here. She said, long live the king. Don't be so pale and frightened. There is a man in your kingdom who has within him the spirit of the holy gods. During Nebuchadnezzar's reign, this man was found to have insight, understanding, and wisdom like that of the gods. Your predecessor, the king, your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, made him chief over all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers of Babylon. This man, Daniel, who the king named Belteshazzar, so the king, old king, tried to change Daniel's identity but couldn't change his character. He said he has exceptional ability and is filled with divine knowledge and understanding. He can interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing is means. So Daniel was brought in before the king. The king asked him, are you Daniel, one of the exiles brought from Judah by my predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar? I have heard that you have the spirit of the gods within you and that you are filled with insight, understanding, and wisdom. My wise men and enchanters have tried to read the words on the wall and tell me their meaning, but they cannot do it. I am told that you give interpretations and solve difficult problems. If you can read these words and tell me their meaning, you will be clothed in purple robes of honor and you will have a gold chain placed around your neck and I'll promote your (laughs) mixtape. And you will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. Daniel answered the king, keep your gifts or give them to someone else, but I will tell you what it means. Think about this for a second. Daniel is in exile. Daniel has actually had the things that Nebuchadnezzar has removed from him. And he has a gift from God that the the king, who's janky, wants to try to pay him off to use his gift. And Daniel says, keep the house, keep the car, you can have the Mercedes, you can have the Tesla, but I'll still do what God wants me to do. Come on now, you know that ain't me. <laughs> what'd you say I'm gonna get, huh? Like repeat yourself, huh? Like what'd you say? Why, it's, cause it's, it's okay that we have that stuff, right? Of course it is. But it's how you get this stuff. the stuff that Daniel knew. Oh no, 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 Just so you know, I got everything I need. You have stripped me of my identity, you've stripped me of my name, you stripped me of my stuff, but I don't need it, I have the Lord. You see that statement? Then it says that he he starts to to tell uh, Belshazzar the the dream. Your, Your majesty, the most high God, gave sovereignty, majesty, and glory and honor to your predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar. He made him so great that people of all races and nations and languages trembled before him in fear. He killed those he wanted to kill and and spared those he wanted to spare. He honored those he wanted to honor and disgraced those he wanted to disgrace. But when his heart and his mind were puffed up with arrogance, he was brought down. When his heart and his mind were puffed up with arrogance, he was brought down. I wonder if in every season we're not either on the way up or on the way down. Because God says that he will exalt those who humble themselves, and He will humble those who exalt themselves. So, everybody who's all about doing it big and going up, up, up are eventually on their way down, and everybody just says, I want to serve God, and I just love the Lord, and I want to love my neighbor, and I want to be a blessing, is on their way up. And so, He says he was brought down from his royal throne and stripped of his glory. He was driven from human society. He was given the mind of a wild animal and he lived among the wild donkeys. He ate grass like a cow and he was drenched with the dew of heaven until, until, until he learned that the most high God rules over the kingdoms of the world and appoints anyone he desires to rule over them. You are his successor. You are are in his legacy, O Belshazzar, and you knew all of this, yet you have not humbled yourself. For you have proudly defied the Lord of heaven and have had these cups from his temple brought before you. You and your nobles and your wives and concubines have been drinking wine from them while praising gods of silver, gold, bronze, iron, and stone, gods that neither see nor hear nor know anything at all. But you have not honored the God who gives you the breath of life and watch this, controls your destiny. You don't have to be in charge of your own destiny. You don't have to worry about doing it big. God's in charge of your destiny. Just honor God; He's in charge of your destiny. And let me tell you why I didn't want God to be in charge of my destiny. Because I didn't want God to take me where He was trying to take me. I didn't want to be a preacher. I don't want to be a pastor. I wanted to be rich. God, Jesus, I'll follow you as long as we go into the bank. That was my attitude. Long as we're going to win a Grammy, long as we're going to get what I want. But no, 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 it's, it's, he, he appoints anybody over whatever he wants. It's, a, it's, it's amazing. He says that he controls our destiny. So he says, so God has sent this hand to write this message. This is the message that was written. Mene, mene, tekel, and parson. This is what these words mean. Mene means numbered. God has numbered the days of your reign and has brought it to an end. Tackle means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and have not measured up. Parson means divided. Your kingdom has been divided and given to the Medes and Persians. Then at Belshazzar's command, Daniel was dressed in purple robes, a gold chain was hung around his neck and he was proclaimed the third highest ruler in the kingdom. This is an encouragement to somebody in here. What, God, what Daniel denied because of the king's motives to give it to him, God let him have anyway. He still got the gold chain. And the heavens didn't open up and say, take that chain off. For like, God was like, man, that chain is fire. (laughs) But you got it the right way. You didn't care about it. You just wanted to honor me. You just wanted to give my word. You get what I'm saying? Somebody has denied something that you're gonna get anyway. Because you just want to honor God. Somebody is denied doing it big, doing it better, doing it awesome, and you're going to get it anyway because you just don't want to do it big. You want to be with the Lord. How awesome is that? It's amazing. Says, that very night, Belshazzar, the Babylon king, was killed. And it doesn't say that a U-Haul came and took all this stuff. And Darius to me took over the kingdom at the age of 62. The more that I follow the Lord and the more that I really dive into what Oasis is all about is it's about not just streaming big. Thousands of people come to church, although we have that amazing building, although we have that. It's not about dreaming big, it's about dreaming heavy. Here's what I mean about that. There's a a weight to what we do. Not not just the size, a weight. And and I think that we have been convinced, and when I say we, me, maybe not you, but me, that Jesus gave us the gospel, that through faith in Jesus, our sins were forgiven, forgiven. We have freedom in him. And most of my life, I have exchanged what would have been the gospel for the American dream. The car, the, the, the white picket fence. You know, I think it's okay to have nice stuff. Hopefully you hear my heart, but I'm starting to feel a little convicted by the way I'm approaching life. I've driven around really fancy neighborhoods and dreamed of the day that I could live in one of those mansions. But I've never driven around my own neighborhood and dreamed of the day that I could impact and love my neighbors. Wow. I never have. I never have, not one time. I have driven around neighborhoods and I have dreamed big. I have never driven around a neighborhood and dreamed heavy. Not once. Not once. Am I believing that we're going to walk someone through an addiction that's my neighbor? Am I believing that kids whose dads have abandoned them are going to be able to come to my house and play and encounter the Lord? I've never once dreamed heavy about a house. I've only dreamed big. And then there comes this moment in my life, and I feel like I'm here where I'm starting to have some of the things I've always dreamed of. I used to sit there in the third or fourth row and I used to dream of the day that I could get up here and preach and that maybe I would preach around the world and write a book and yes I want to do it big but I think I'd rather do it heavy you know the Bible says that that, that hope in Jesus is an anchor for your soul why is an anchor effective because it's heavy uh, uh, he didn't say A house is an anchor for your soul. All those things are great, but no, no, no. Hope in Jesus is an anchor for your soul. It's something that's heavy enough to keep you steady and stable in the storm. And I think that this concept of the American dream, and I've I've exchanged the gospel for the American dream. And I want the American dream more than I want Jesus. The American dream was a phrase that was coined by a man named James Truslow Adams. And that's a prophecy to somebody because somebody's name, Trus, is low. James Truslow (laughs) Adams. And he wrote this book, The Epic of America, and he was trying to diagnose what had gone wrong with America in the depths of the Great Depression. He said that America had gone wrong in becoming too concerned with material well-being and forgetting the higher dreams and the higher aspiration that the country had been founded on, which was character and values. When the person who invented the phrase, the American dream, invented the phrase, he was not talking about money. He was talking about character and values. And now anybody, whether it's a politician or a president, or whoever threatens my version of the American dream, they are products of my hate. We even say stuff all the time. You know, there are people being persecuted in other nations. We need to pray, and we absolutely need to pray. I hate that people are being persecuted for their faith, but you know what I think we're really praying? We're really praying, I hope one day, they don't have to go through what they're going through and they can have the American dream too. A house, a car, a multi-poo, all that stuff. And they don't ever have to be persecuted. When Jesus said in his, to his disciples, blessed are those who are persecuted for my namesake. So he was challenging the disciples' version of blessing. If you're not doing it big, you're cursed. And if you're doing it big, you're blessed. That's not, that's not the gospel. Blessed are those who are poor. They'll inherit the kingdom. Blessed are those who are persecuted for my namesake. Blessed are those who are going through a tough time because guess what? They might not be doing it big, but they're doing it heavy. There's a weight to what they do. There's a weight to their faith. Do you understand what I'm saying? I've spent a lot of time dreaming big and not enough time dreaming heavy. There's a weight to it. You know what's interesting about th- this, this passage of scripture is that the Babylon, ba- the Babylon, the Babylon, Babylon had all of Israel's stuff. All of Israel's stuff. You know how they got it? They saw it. By one man bragging about doing it big. 2 Kings chapter 20, verses 13 through 17. man by the name of Hezekiah was the leader and said, Babylon showed up to the palace that Hezekiah was living in. Hezekiah was doing it big, kind of like the king of Babylon. He was doing it big. And it said the Babylon envoy showed up. Hezekiah received the envoys and showed them all that was in his storehouses. The silver, the gold, the spices, the fine olive oil didn't tell them nothing about the Lord. Showed them his stuff. Not a thing was mentioned about God. But he showed them all his stuff. He said he showed them his armory and everything found among his treasures. There was nothing in his palace or in his kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Told them nothing, showed them everything. He showed them what he valued the most about what God has done, his stuff. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and asked, what did those men say and where did they come from? From a distant land, Hezekiah replied, they came from Babylon. The prophet asked, what did they see in your palace? They saw everything in my palace, Hezekiah said. There is nothing among my treasures that I did not show them. Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, hear the word of the Lord. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. How did Babylon get Israel's Israel's stuff? Israel bragged about it. Israel, how did the enemy get Israel's stuff? Hezekiah posted it on Facebook (laughs) and Instagram. Look at me. Look what I'm doing. I'm doing it big. Sometimes in our boasting about how we're doing it big, the devil says, I'm coming to get that. You're bragging about it, I'm coming to get it. Pastor Phillips sent me a verse yesterday from Jeremiah that says if we boast in something, boast that we know the Lord. Why? Because that's the one thing the enemy can't take from you, that you know God, that you have a relationship with him. He showed them all his stuff. He showed them all his stuff, and they came and got it. Man, I'm telling you right now, I believe that if we're to brag, about something, we got to brag that we know the Lord. Think about that. Hezekiah showed all of his stuff to Babylon and the enemy came and got it. You know, there's this story in the book of Job, if you read Job, God, the devil approaches God and says, and God says, where have you come from? He says, roaming the earth. And God says to the devil, have you considered my servant Job? I've given Job a bunch of stuff. I've given Job wealth. Job is doing it big. Consider my servant Job. And the enemy said, if I take his stuff and take his health, he'll curse you to his face. God said, no, he won't. I've given him all the stuff, but he's not worried about doing it big, dreaming big. Job is heavy. He can go through some stuff. So why don't you go ahead and take all Job's stuff? You can go ahead and take all Job's stuff. You can't kill him, but you can take all his stuff. Now, whatever you got to do, To know the Lord so much that he would tell the devil, you can mess with his stuff, and you can mess with his family. Whatever you got to do for the Lord to do that, I'm trying to do two steps beneath that. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever Bible study, I'm leading Whatever prayer I'm praying, that when the devil shows up and says, you can take out my family and all my stuff, whatever I'm doing, if that's going a growth track, I ain't showing up. <laughs> can you imagine? Yeah. And Job said, worship the Lord. And he was married to a woman that says, why don't you just hurry up and die and curse God? This is crazy. Yeah. I'm telling you, Job was heavy. Job was, was, was heavy. And I believe that we've exchanged the gospel for the American dream. And I hope you get all that stuff, hear my heart, but I hope you spend more time dreaming heavy than you are dreaming big. Here's how you know you're you're dreaming heavy more than you're dreaming big. Your to-be list should be bigger than your to-do list. That's how you know, your your, your to-be list should be bigger than your to-do list. That's how you know you're dreaming heavy. That's how you know. I got all this stuff I want to be. I got all this stuff I I want to be loving. I want to be forgiving. I want to be somebody. That's a great prophecy. You are somebody. Last week was titled, You Are the One. The reason why this is a continuation is because you won't dream heavy if you don't know you're the one. Because you'll keep spending all your time trying to prove you're the one. But if you can receive you're the one, you'll stop spending so much time dreaming big. I have a relationship with God. I'm already doing it big. I don't need to have a a campus with 10,000 people. I don't need to do my own church. I'm serving Oasis. I'm already doing it big. I'm with God. I'm already doing it big. I'm the one. I'm okay. I'm good. I'll take the gold chain. But if it comes the right way. tell you something. I walk up here with a gold chain. That thing came the right way. Just know that. I'm still believing for it and my kids to go to college. In that order, no, I'm just playing. (laughs) Gold chain, college. Number two, this is how you know, you're spending more time dreaming heavy instead of dreaming big. You, You would know this, the world looks at your ability, God looks at your humility. We spend all this time trying to increase our ability, which is a good thing. That's dreaming big. You've got you to increase your ability. You're not going to go on tour if you can't sing and play guitar and do us. I get it. Spend some time increasing your ability, your leadership capacity. But what about humility? Right? What about humility? What about being humble? What about doing the humble thing? What's interesting about this is, is that this is what the issue that God had. He didn't have an issue with the party. Jesus' first miracle was at a party. But when he got prideful, so I think it was all about him, God stepped in and said, now wait one minute. I want you to remember this. It's okay to dream big. It's okay to dream big, but it's better to dream heavy. Daniel chapter 5, verse 27 has a scary verse. He told him, the writing on the wall, one of it was tekel means weighed. You have been weighed on the balances and you didn't measure up. You were doing it big, but it was light. Wow. I, I, I didn't measure the size of your palace. I didn't measure the size of your promotion. I didn't measure your paycheck. I didn't measure your ministry. I weighed you. I'm gonna give you an example. Um, my friend Clayton, This is how I've lived my life for for many years, even as a Christian, okay? So I want a new car. I want to do it big. God, bless me with a bigger place to live. God, I'd like more preaching opportunities. God, I'd like to write a book. I want an iPhone 10, (laughs) right? I I, I got dreams. I, I want to do it big. God, I need more money. I want to do it big, I I don't don't like where I live, I want want a bigger house, I want more rooms, I want a swimming pool, I I want everything that I want, I want, I want, I want. And then we get the stuff and then we start telling people that we're blessed. Not because we are, but we, we are telling people what our definition of blessed is. But Job had to learn to be blessed when his measuring tape wasn't as long as it had always been. Job had to learn to declare that he was blessed, not because of of the measuring, how big everything was. Job had to get on a scale. And God is weighing the church right now. He's weighing me. And you can increase your weight with your character and your values. And Jesus being the hope, it's an anchor that creates a weight in your life. And if we would stop dreaming so big and start dreaming heavy, God would give us the stuff that the world is calling big. This is what this is really about, is that if you got on the scale and you've never been through anything, let me tell you something. I love this building. I love this church. It's cool that, the, the, that this church is filled with people. We're on a second service of the day. And you might come in here and say, Oasis is a big church. It might be. But let me tell you, Oasis is a heavy church. We got some pastors that have been sowing seeds for 35 years against all odds. And I don't want to just be a part of something big. I want to be a part of something heavy. So we come to this crossroads where you have to choose. And I'm being honest, when I first got in ministry, I wanted the big stuff that Philip and Holly had. Then I went to Africa and I realized, no, this is heavy. This matters. God will weigh me one day before I stand before him, and maybe I never got the book, maybe I never got the house in Toluca Lake, but I just want the Lord to put me on a scale. I want the Lord to put you on a scale, and your character and your values are heavy. And I hope you get on the scale with the gold chain. I really do. I hope that adds like three pounds to your weight. But I would never want anybody to come and get on a scale with a gold chain and a big house and a fancy car and God say, I've weighed you and you don't measure up. I want you to stand to your feet. I want you to stand to your feet. We all, we all should have a dream. We all should have a dream. And God, I believe, is in this season where he's trying to make the church heavy. And I know you might want to do it big, and whatever your palace is in your dream, the pain and the perseverance is what makes you heavy. And God allows these things to happen. You know, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians that these light and momentary troubles prepare us for the eternal weight of glory God's presence creates a weight in the room, God's presence is heavy, sometimes we're in worship or we're in the message and we cry because the weight of God's presence is heavy and as a young younger minister, I want to do it big but I'd rather do it heavy because when you can do it heavy you don't need to grab a microphone You don't need to write a book. You walk in rooms and your presence is heavy and the atmosphere starts to shift. You don't need to do anything. You don't need a to-do list. Your presence makes it heavy. God's presence is here. He's not doing anything. He's just in here right now being heavy. When Pastor Philip talked about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is heavy. Heavy with the character and the holiness of God. And somebody needs to exchange their thought processes today and move. It's okay to dream big, but somebody needs to start dreaming heavy. Start dreaming about the man of God you could be, the woman of God that you can